Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. The message today is Life for Lepers by Pastor Sean Wood. Okay, if you'd like to meet me in 2 Kings chapter 5, that's where we'll be basing most of what I want to say this morning. And uh, for, for most of you will know that uh, at one point in time, I used to drive taxis. In fact, when I was in Tasmania, at one point in time, I owned three of our own taxis. And it just so happened that uh, a taxi driver and a priest ended up at the pearly gates together, both at the same time. That priest had been many years in the service of God, and they both turn up, and the taxi driver's first, and he gets a golden staff. He gets a silky white robe. And Peter says, enter on in. Welcome to your eternal home. He says, wow, it's great. And the priest the whole time is thinking, wow, if he got a golden staff and a fine silk robe, what am I going to get? So anyway, the, the priest turns up and Peter says, oh, and here's yours. And he hands him a wooden staff and just a linen cloth. And he says, hang on a second. He says, I'm a priest. This guy's a taxi driver. And Peter says, I can understand your confusion. He says, the gospel, he says, is absolutely free. He says, but we're results-based here. He says, I can see where you're confused, he says, because, you know, while you preached, people slept, but while he drove, people prayed. (laughs) (laughs) And I know some taxi drivers that fall into that category. (laughs) Praise God. Okay, we're going to, uh, for uh, my apologies for last week for coughing and spluttering, I've had my injectors cleaned out. Most men will know what that means. I feel a little bit better this week, but... I'm going to continue our reaching out series and the whole message that was behind Jonah was, you know, as I move in pastoral circles, and there's nothing wrong with this, but quite often the term is, we need a move of God. Oh, we are are desperate for a move of God in this city, and we are, and we should expect God to move in our city and in our workplaces and places like that. But the whole story of Jonah is maybe we should be praying more God move us and praying less God come and move. God is moving. God is active. And we saw that in Jonah, didn't we? We saw that God had gone before Jonah and God was preparing Jonah and that Nineveh was waiting for him. Today as we continue our reaching out series, I want to continue looking at this and we'll look from the Old Testament and we'll look from the life of Naaman. Naaman's a very interesting guy and the story of Naaman is certainly very interesting, but uh, I, I know people will possibly have more to add to this list, but there really isn't any more. Church exists for three main purposes. First one, love God. Second one, love one another. Third one, Reach out to those who need Christ. And we should not neglect any of those. And we want to help you love God. And we do things, life groups help people to love God. Uh, We have things like rock reflections and, and all these sorts of things that are helping people to grow in their love for God. What we do here on a Sunday is not everything. This is this is where we celebrate God. Church is us out in the world. That's what that's what church looks like. We want to reach out and we want to help people love one another. We have, we have fellowship meetings where we can get together and love one another. And I know I'm very lovable and so are you. But some people are like, Mark Connor says, they're like sandpaper. They just rub us 
Well, maybe they sharpen us. Sandpaper can sharpen as well. So today as we look at Naaman, uh, we're going to see that Naaman has a secret. But uh, as we look at the life of Naaman, we're going to understand that there's a lot that resonates from the life of Naaman to today's culture. We're going to see that in today's world, there are many Naamans, and there are two heroes in this story. I'm going to tell you the first one. The first hero in this story absolutely is God. I'm not going to tell you the second one just yet. I'm going to see if you can pick up. We have, we have a list of characters as we work our way through. Of course, Naaman, of course, Elisha, of course, the king of Israel. Not much of a hero. We'll see when we get there. But there is a hero in this story. I wonder if you can pick up who the other hero is. So let's, let's begin our text in 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Syria. He was a great man. That's right, king of Syria, underlined Syria, not, king of, not a commander of the army of Israel. It gets worse as we read what's happened here. He was a great man with his master and in high favour because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. Syria was a persistent enemy and nuisance to Israel. Persistent. Got any persistent nuisances in your life? He was a mighty man of valour. Naaman was a man that had risen to much prestige. On the outside, he had a life of grandeur. He was, he was well respected. He had a high level of social status in Syria. When, he, when Naaman walked down the street, people stopped and let him pass. He's that kind of guy, you know. A bit like Terry when he goes walking down the street. Everyone just stops. But... But, he, but we need to grasp that he was a great man because we actually are living in a society now where people are very affluent. Where Western society, I know there's hard places to take the gospel. I know there's hard places to take the gospel in this world. But it is just as hard to reach people for the gospel in Australia as it is in any other place in this globe. People are too comfortable. People are far too comfortable. And Naaman's comfortable, sort of. On the outside, you think he's got it all together. But do you know, for all of Naaman's grandeur on the outside, there is not one of the least slaves in Syria that for one day would swap skins with this man. And there's a reason for that. Naaman, it says, is a leper. But Naaman was a leper. And whenever you read about leprosy in the New Testament, you're going to find that nobody ever gets healed of leprosy. You ever notice that? Ever notice that Jesus actually didn't heal anybody of leprosy? They were cleansed. Scripture always says, and the lepers were cleansed. And when we have a look at the physical of what leprosy is in the physical, it speaks a lot about the spiritual condition that all of us were once in. You see, leprosy, it begins with red spots on the skin and then they sort of grow to big white spots and then they get scaly and then they spread and after a period of time your fingernails and toenails fall out and it completely rots you away. It's, a, it's an insidious, disgusting disease and it's a lot like sin on a spiritual level. Sin can start off small but everybody's got it and there's one thing about physical leprosy that is the same with sin. There's only one man that has the cure. Jesus. So we have many Naamans living amongst us, but we have many lepers, friends, and we were all lepers once. We all had a disease that we had no cure for. We all had a disease that was going to eat us away until it consumed us. 
Just like Naaman, and Naaman knows he's a leper. Simon the Pharisee that Jesus reclines with, other Gospels tell us, but he was a leper, secretly. And you can put on all the jumpers and all the long sleeves you like, and you can disguise leprosy, doesn't remove the fact that it's still there. Jesus is the only one that can cleanse leprosy. But it is Naaman's leprosy, and it is the knowledge of Naaman's leprosy to Naaman that will drive him to seek God. But he was a leper. Verse 2. I'll put a quote up on the screen from Charles Spurgeon. It says, As the salt flavours every drop in the Atlantic, so does sin affect every atom of our nature. It is so sadly there, so abundantly there, that if you cannot detect it, you are deceived. How to become an unpopular pastor and how to become an unpopular preacher? Preach on sin for a little while. Verse 2 says, Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, a little servant girl from the land of Israel. And she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. Verse 3, She said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Two things this girl has that each and every one of us should have, and that is enough care to speak. Enough care to speak up. Just so turns out that this little slave girl, so to speak, from Israel, finds herself in the service of a leper. God works in miraculous ways, friends. She could have ended up in a number of places, but just so happens. She not only cared enough to speak up, but she had faith enough in God that, you know what, if you could just get to the prophet... You will be cured of your leprosy. This is a big call. This is a big call for her to even speak. Imagine a little slave girl even speaking about her master's leprosy. These things, we didn't even address these matters. We still don't today, you know. We don't talk about sin. We don't talk about leprosy so much. But this little girl not only raises the subject, but says, you know what? I know a cure. And this is huge. I mean, Israel hated Syria. And if you were a Gentile, you were not in covenant with God. You weren't entitled to the blessings. But this girl knows her God. This girl knows a God that can cleanse people of their leprosy. This is an absolute demonstration of, the, of God's mysterious hand. Isn't it wonderful how God works? I'm going to repeat that quote from John Piper where he says, you know, at any one time God is doing 10,000 things in your life of which you are aware of three. And how often do we look back and see God's fingerprints? You don't have to be real forensic to see his fingerprints, do you? He's, he's everywhere. He's in everything. And it just so happens that this girl's there. What business does God have with Naaman? But God will reach out to Naaman. This little girl is placed in a strategic place at a strategic time. God has a purpose for her. And I want to possibly encourage every person in this room that perhaps you're just where God wants you to be. Perhaps what God wants from all of us is to bloom where we are planted. This little girl is doing a great job of blooming where God has planted her. This is where God's put me and I'm going to bloom. 
It's interesting that she speaks. And it's interesting as we move through the story of Naaman that the thing that changes the course of direction for Naaman is when this girl speaks to him or speaks to his wife. She's bold enough to speak. We, we want to harvest, do we not? We want to see God. We want to reap a harvest of people coming into the kingdom of God. You can't have a harvest unless you sow seeds. This wonderful little girl is sowing seeds. Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. I think Naaman's response here is rather profound. Let's have a look at what Naaman does. Verse 4, so Naaman went in and told his Lord, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. What Naaman does not say is, what would that girl know? That's not what he says. Israel, I'm not going to Israel. The only time I'm going to Israel is when I'm going to wage war and conquer them. No, that's not what he says. That's not what he says at all. He says, you know what, I'm going to go. And what he does speaks more than what he says. Verse, as we read on, verse 5, and the, king's, uh, and the king of Syria said, go now and I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothing. One commentator estimates this worth in today's value of $1.2 million. Naaman takes $1.2 million with him when he goes to Israel. And you know what? The monetary value to me isn't all that important, but what this speaks of, and I've got a big word here circled, it's called desperation. Naaman's desperate for an answer. Anybody here ever been in that position? Anybody here ever been, I'm desperate, God? That's exactly where you need to be. That's exactly where God places us. You have a look at the people in the Gospels. People say to me, you know what, there's no formula for receiving from God. All the, all the conditions are different and it, it, there's no formula. No, there is no formula. But there is one commonality. Each and every one of them were desperate. Each and every one of them were desperate. So Naaman <clears throat> heads off to Israel. The word spoken to Naaman lights a spark inside of him. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, what did he do? He tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. There's, there's a huge difference between the king of Israel and Elisha. We're about to introduce Elisha now in a moment. And there is a huge difference between the king of Israel and Elisha, and that is one of them has a relationship with God. This is King Jehoram. He's got no relationship with God. He was a, he was a wicked and evil king. No wonder he's tearing his clothes. What do you want me to do about your leprosy? I don't even know God myself. Why would you come to me? Elisha's got a great answer. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Great question. <laughs> Let him come to me that he may know 
that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. Faith comes by three steps. I've preached on this before. But faith, in a sense, comes in three steps. First one is understanding. We'll get to the other two in a moment. But faith grows in a person's heart when they get knowledge, they get information, they gain understanding. Understanding then moves to conviction, and conviction will always move you to a commitment. But it begins with understanding. And how will people know if people do not speak? And what is Elisha saying? Send him here that he may know, that he may get an understanding of the reality of God. Going deeper with God begins with an awareness of God. What's Elisha saying? This guy needs to be aware of God. Israel's king's got no answers, but Elisha says that he may know. Robert Murray McShane says the Christian is a person <clears throat> who makes it easy for others to believe in God. Does the life you live make it easy for others to believe in God? Can you see the, there's a beautiful, beautiful picture in this little servant girl. God is her conversation. Jesus should be our conversation. You speak about what you love the most. You speak about who you love the most. There was a time when all Bill spoke about was Kate. And still is. Still does. Careful, Bill. Careful. I'm helping a brother out here. But Jesus should be our conversation. He should just... Jesus and the truth and the reality of Christ should just fall from our lips without us even thinking. And I was challenged because in my life, I could be more conversational about Christ as well. I love what Elisha does here. (laughs) I love how Elisha handles this. Let's see what he does. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and his $1.2 million or so. <clears throat> and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And what does Elisha do? What if I said, what if I, what if I said that Malcolm, T- oh, he might not be a very good example. What if I said Malcolm Turnbull was coming to church next week? Would that change how we do things? I know everybody's going, no. <laughs> what, if, what if a member of the royal family, and most of them are in one place at one time at the moment, but what if a member of the royal family decided they would visit the rock next week? Would it change? It doesn't change Elisha at all. He has no regard for Naaman as, a, as part of partiality. Makes no difference. Doesn't change Elisha. Elisha does something that I believe is what God does to each and every one of us. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. Naaman comes to Elisha's house, and Elisha doesn't even go to the door. Cup of coffee, Naaman? Cup of tea? No, no. You go and wash. Verse 11, but, and whenever I get to a but in the Bible, always pause. It's good buts and there's bad buts, particularly in the Bible. But verse 11 says, but 
Naaman was angry and he went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to meet me and stand and call upon the, the, the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Ever noticed how God works, but he never does it how you want him to? Ever noticed that? God, heal me. God, save my family member. And you need to do it like this, this and this. And God says, we'll see. And Naaman comes and he will be cured of his leprosy, but it will not be how Naaman wants it to be. And salvation comes to the hearts of people's lives, but it so often is not how we would picture it. And it so often is not a pleasant experience. Not a pleasant experience for Naaman either. But know this, God is in the, in the business of waging war against pride. Naaman's got a lot of pride, God's fighting a big battle and God is going to win. But Naaman is very angry. <clears throat> Let's keep reading on. So he gets some good advice. Verse 12, Are not Abana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the rivers, all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? Probably not. So he turned and he went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? In other words, will you not just give it a go? You've come all this way. It hasn't cost you anything yet. The interesting thing is, I actually think, had the messenger come to the door and said, Give us a million dollars, Naaman would have went there. If the servant had to come to the door and said, you know what, uh, the prophet says you've got to go and sacrifice a thousand sheep, Naaman would have been off. But this is just the thing that's going to attack the pride of Naaman. For God to reign in your heart, friends, he must pull down your throne. <laughs> Never a pleasant experience. And if quite often uh, he begins to reign in our hearts, but it's an assault that never ends sometimes. We always like to jump back on the throne, don't we? It's like we like to sit in the driver's seat. We want, to, we want to be the pilot. Let me fly the plane. No, not a great idea. My father, is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan. According to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And Naaman will walk away from this river and he, will attribute this, he won't attribute this to Elisha because Elisha didn't come down and do a dance and a jiggle and wave a couple of sticks in the air or anything like that. Naaman didn't, uh, Elisha didn't come down making any funny noises or doing anything weird. But by the time he leaves this river, Naaman will attribute this completely and utterly to God. It'll have nothing to do with the rivers in Syria. It'll have nothing to do with water. And it'll have everything to do with God gripping the heart of Naaman. And God wants to grip people's hearts. God is in the business of gripping people's hearts. We live amongst people that go about their daily business with a disease that we have the cure for. We know the answer. You have a leprosy of which you can be cleansed, and we know the answer. Verse 15, then he returned to the man of God. He 
and all his company. And there's a very profound thing that Naaman does. We, we need to worship like Naaman. We're going to have a look at this in a moment. And he and all his company, and he came and he stood before him and he said, Behold, I know. Oh, there's a change now in the vocabulary. Behold, I know. And now we see that this understanding has moved to a conviction, really, when it comes to Naaman. This has moved to a conviction. Now I know. I heard what the girl said. Have you picked up on who the hero is yet? The little girl. The one that cared enough to speak in the first place. Behold, I know now that there is, a, there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. And they worshipped a lot of gods in Syria at this time. And now I know there's no God but here in Israel. Martin Luther says, Is it not wonderful news to believe that salvation lies outside of ourselves? Jonah got that last week, remember? Verse 9 of chapter 2. He says, Salvation is of the Lord. (laughs) He will have mercy and he will shed his grace. Naaman now comes and he says, Behold, I know that there is a God in Israel. This is something that is personal for Naaman and is it personal for you? We all have to answer that question that Jesus asked his disciples. He says to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Every person has to answer that question. We'll get to Jesus shortly. Now we move to the level of commitment. Naaman does something deeply profound. So accept now a present from your servant. But he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none, says Elisha. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Then Naaman said, if not, please let there be given to your servant two mules loads of earth. For from now on your servant will not offer burnt offerings or sacrifice to any God, lowercase g, to any God but the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant when my master goes into the house of Rimon to, to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow myself in the house of Rimon. When I bow myself in the house of Rimon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. And he said, go in peace. What is going on here with the two mule loads of earth? What do you want some dirt for, Naaman? You come with $1.2 million and you're going to take some dirt home? What is going on? And what what Naaman is saying to the prophet is, I'm going back to Syria now, but I want to take God with me. And then he goes on to say, you know what? My business as the commander in chief is, I have to walk in with my master into this house of Rimon and he means nothing to me. And I'm asking you, prophet, when I walk in there, can I direct my heart towards God? And while I'm going about all this business, can I still have all of my focus and all of my attention on God? And Elisha says, yes, you can. Go in peace. And we should worship like Naaman. When you're in your workplace tomorrow morning, you should be directing your heart towards Christ. All of your attention and all of your focus, just like Naaman. Naaman takes what God has deposited in his life and he takes it back to his culture. I'll have a little bit of a look at that next Sunday when we have a look at Paul at Mars Hill. Paul preaches one of the greatest sermons at Mars Hill and he doesn't reference scripture once. Speaks in the Areopagus. He's invited. And here we see the importance of taking Jesus to our culture. If you'd like to, you can turn to Luke chapter 4 or you can look at it later on. 
I read this passage. I preached on uh, the widow at Zarephath uh, one Sunday night not long ago, but I read this passage and it struck me. And I asked myself a question. Have you ever read the passage where it says here in verse 20 of chapter 4, you know, the spirit of the Lord, Jesus says, is upon him. And verse 20, it says, and he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And he's saying, the spirit of the Lord is here. The Messiah that you are anticipating is here. It's the fulfillment has come. And verse 22, and all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician heal thyself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. What did Jesus do in Capernaum? Well, he did quite a lot actually. And what did he do in his hometown? Very little. And what is the difference between Jesus at Capernaum and Jesus in his hometown? I asked myself, I was was baffled. What's going on here? Turns out the difference is the people. Turns out the difference is the heart of the people. Jesus goes on to say, this is, we've been speaking about Naaman, but let me read the passage to you. Verse 24, I'll pick it up. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. Jesus sometimes is not acceptable now. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of the ones in Israel, but he was sent to a widow, but only in Zarephath, in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. Verse 27. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. Elisha's in Israel. There's many lepers in Israel, but Naaman is cleansed. What's Jesus saying to the people? He's, saying, he's speaking to Pharisees here. He's speaking to people in the synagogue. He's speaking to the religious people of the day, and he's basically saying to them, you're going to miss the Messiah. Your day of visitation is now. You're going to miss me. And it's all got to do with the condition of our hearts. I believe that God, I believe we should pray for God to move. I believe we should pray for God to move in this city. But I think we should be prepared to be the answer to that prayer. I believe that God is waiting for us. I want to share with you a quote from A.W. Tozer. Jesus is not one of the many ways to approach God, nor is he the best of several ways. Jesus is the only way. When you go to your workplace or when you go to your schools tomorrow or wherever it is, when you go to the supermarket and you deal with the same checkout person time and time again, the answer that they are looking for is Christ. He's the only one that can cleanse the lepers today. I'm going to ask the worship team if they can come back and tingle. I want to ask a few questions as we, as we bring this to a close. You know, the turning point for Naaman was a little girl that cared enough to speak, but also had faith enough in a God that could meet this leper. No matter what his background, could meet this leper right where he is. And we should be like this little girl that is ready 
to speak. This morning, do you worship like Naaman? What difference would it make if we spoke more about Christ? What difference would it make if we directed our hearts towards Christ no matter where we were? Could you be more conversational about Christ? And as we leave here today, we've got Global Outreach Day coming up on Saturday. I want to I ask you the question. You, you might be walking away from here. And there's people sitting in this room this morning and tears are starting to come to eyes. And there's a reason for that. Because you're beginning to think of family members that are outside of the grace of God. You're beginning to think of friends that you've had for a long time that you know have leprosy. You might be sitting here saying, what can we do? The Bible, God has ordained, the Bible clearly speaks, God has ordained two ways that we can be involved in salvation. It is an absolute work of God. We should pray for God to, to work in people's hearts. But there's, but there's two things that we can do. God has given us two things. He, the first one is prayer. It's, it's also one of the most important ones. And the second one is proclamation. And as you're thinking about people that you know need the grace of God, I need the grace of God every day, but I know there's people that have leprosy. The two biggest things that you can do for them is pray for them and to speak to them. Why is it that the gospel is banned in a lot of countries around the world? Because if the devil can shut down the gospel, if he can stop people from speaking it, he thinks he can stop the spread of the kingdom of God. Muslims are having dreams and coming to Christ in their thousands. Can't get the gospel in there, but Jesus always finds a way. But the reason is when people speak, it is the power of God for salvation, says Paul. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of its message. I'm not ashamed of the person who gave us the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God to cure lepers, of which we were all once lepers. Can we stand together and pray together? If you need prayer this morning, then the altar's open for you. But can we just bow our heads for a moment and perhaps hold some people in our hearts right now that we know have leprosy And they need Jesus. And can we pray and agree together concerning those right now? Father God, you know every single person that is in each person's heart this morning. And Father, just like Jonah, we believe that salvation is of the Lord. Father, we we completely trust that you are the one that can work miracles in people's hearts. You can put servant girls in the right place at the right time. You You can do anything. And we pray for them now. We pray that you give us words to speak. But we pray, Father, that your sovereign hand would work effectively in bringing them to the person of Jesus Christ that cleanses all us lepers. Father, in you we trust this morning in your wonderful name. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today 
and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.